Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So good. It's a work of art. It's so good. <laughs> it was so good. It, it's the best... Okay. It's the best movie. Like I think it's the best um, multiversal against movie. Oh, 100%. I, after uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, because mm. that movie was amazing. Yes. But it's live action. Yes. This is animated. This is like the best and, superhero interpretation of it. Like, No Way Home was good. Yeah. This took it to another level. And like, this blew Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness like out of the water. Like, that movie was such a disappointment on a multiversal level. But like, this movie, so much better. Nathan, it didn't just blow it out of the water. It sent it to the moon. <laughs> Goodbye, Doctor Strange. Good flipping by. <laughs> this movie, just the beginning of the movie with Gwen Stacy, right? It's like the start of the movie. It starts. Like, she's talking about, like, everything that's going to happen. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and then... And she's, like, talking to us. Like, I think it's, she's talking to us, but she I, she's not. She's not talking to us. Mm-hmm. She's, like, talking to the people she's bringing on to her new band. Right? <laughs> like, oh, spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, but, um... Yeah, watch the movie already, you have it. Exactly. Uh, but it's, like... She starts a movie. She she basically spoils the plot of the entire movie, <laughs> and uh, you're like, "What is going on?" And then we get like 20 minutes or more of Gwen going through her life. It's like a whole mo- like I was like, "This is her movie." Yeah. Like this is in some movie. ways, this really felt like more of a Gwen movie than like a Miles movie. Like even like yeah. like even Gwen, I felt like had more of an emotional, like, Miles had some emotional resolution in this movie, of course, but, like, you can tell the resolu- most of the resolutions coming in, like, the next movie, where, like, he goes on to, like, mm-hmm. c- confront the spot to, like, uh, save his dad and stuff. But, like, one of the biggest emotional resolutions in this movie just came from the conflict between Gwen and her dad, and, like, that got tied up in a neat little bow by the end of this. So, like, in that regard, it really did feel like a Gwen movie more than a Miles movie. Miles movie. But what I love about it is that they literally started with the logos and everything mm-hmm. for Gwen's universe. Mm. They started the logos and everything, like Sony, whatever, blah blah blah, Marvel Studios, uh, uh, blah blah. Um, and yeah, with all that, you think they would start with the Golden Boy Miles, but nope, they start with Gwen. No, they start with Gwen, and the, her world is straight out of the comics. First yep, of all, yep, gorgeous. That the art style is straight out of the comics. But even more glorious. Like, it was, it's so beautiful yep. that I literally, Nathan, I literally just cried just because, like, not just because of the emotional beats, just the colors. Mm. The colors were speaking, man. It's <laughs> like every time, every time, like, she felt depressed, like, I, like, the color of blue, like that blue, and then the dad coming in with the with the yellow, and and she hugs him, and like the light, like the colors change. That made me cry. That made me tear up. It was and, so like, gorgeous. Oh, the moment she goes in to the the, the the she ends the fight with the vulture and whatever, and her dad comes in. The way the background kind of just washes off. Mm. Oh. I was like, 
I was like this in my chair. <laughs> like, I was just throwing back in my chair, like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I was throwing back on my chair, like, multiple times in this movie. But that moment was like, I, I was audibly saying, this is gorgeous. This is beautiful. Wow, this is incredible. I was like, I. I'm sorry, but I, my my mouth cannot be shut up, like, looking at this. Like, I'm like, I gotta say something. And when when that moment happened and the colors just mixing and mashing with the dad, it's like, you, I, I, I was crying. I was like, why am I crying? Like, this is not, like, this is such as, like, a Spider-Man thing that I see all the time. But the colors made it so much more impactful for some, like, I... I think I understand painting now. <laughs> like, I understand paint now. This is a point of colors. <laughs> exactly. I was like, what? Uh, like, because I, I have never, like, understood completely, like, what people feel when they look at paintings. Mm. I'm like, I feel like this person, I feel like this person uh, did something. <laughs> it's like, but, but this movie just opened my eyes. I was like, "Wow, I think I, I can appreciate paint. <laughs> I can taste the rainbow now, and it's beautiful." Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, like we, but Gwen, like her, her dad is like, "I can't, I can't take this reality. I'm gonna arrest you," and she's like, "What? <laughs> like I'm your daughter." My daughter, come on! Like, do you think I killed my my best friends? Like, like no, you gotta you gotta go to jail. Like, put your hands up, and she's like, "Nah, I'm gonna dip out." And she dips like, out. I reject, the... I reject your reality and just leave altogether. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna go like, to my I'm... own reality. She's like, well. <laughs> Well, dad, my dad, my parent, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to leave my universe completely unprotected. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Um, no, but um, <clears throat> it's so interesting because it's like, I, I always have this question. Do you think, why do people avoid going to jail? Why do superheroes avoid going to jail? Like, What do you think that is like, why is it that like a trope? Like, I see a lot of movies where it's like, I'm like, well, if you're trying to, I understand you're trying to do good. I understand you have a, like a secret identity, but at the same time, you did commit a crime. I think it's a, I think we probably just like have like, this is all just me spitballing, but like, I think one hand there's just kind of like a shame, a shame that like goes with like going to jail where it's like, Oh, now that person's going to jail, it's like a permanent mark on their permanent record of life. And so like, once they get out of jail, that like will always forever scar them. Kind of like how there's that whole like um, mm -hmm. thing where how um, ex-cons have a hard time like re uh, getting back into society after they get out of jail because like that's a permanent scar on them. And then B, I think it's like um, it kind of feels like a slap in the face where it's like, oh, I've been trying to do all this good, and now all of a sudden I'm being sent to jail for trying to do the right thing, and like that feels horrible. And C, I think it's just more of a logistics thing where it's like, oh, if I get sent to jail, that means my secret identity gets out. And sure, that will yeah. suck for me, but that will also suck for the people around me that I'm trying to protect. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you, if you like, got a big rogues gallery like Spider-Man, and then you get sent to jail and your um, secret identity gets loose, all the supervillains are going to go after your loved ones. And I think that's happened in the comics on occasion where, like, 
I think during one of the big Civil War story arcs, like Spider-Man revealed his identity, and like they meet yeah. the villains immediately went after Aunt May. So like avoiding yeah. jail is good just to protect your loved ones as well as yourself. Yeah, that is true. Uh, but there is kind of like a theme in this movie of being honest with the people that love you and being honest with the people closest to you uh, because it's kind of like you think it's kind of like the when and Spider-Man always thinks oh this is gonna <coughs> sorry and you see Miles think about it right they like he's like if they do this if they if I tell them I'm Spider-Man they're gonna reject me. yeah they're gonna reject me he has that fear in him yes but I like I like to say the transition between the Gwen story when that ends the Gwen story I don't know if you noticed and love but I was surprised about this is that the movie starts again mm-hmm. like the logos come back it's Sony uh, and, and then the Marvel logo comes back and then we start with miles's narration yep. so we saw basically we saw a short film. It was like 20 minutes uh, or so. We saw a short film within a film. Yep, yep. This movie really did have two protagonists. And, like, you can tell this is Sony... Like, now that Sony has, like, broke, like, uh, stumbled on gold with the first movie, and, like, now they have, like, legitimate, like, like good, great potential for a great franchise, this is them going all in on it. Where it's like, okay, not only do we have Miles as a great protagonist that we could make a franchise off of, but now we have Gwen, and we're going to invest in that, and that's why we're going to have, like, a two-hour and 20-minute movie just dedicated to the two of them and trying to, like, set up this whole franchise because we we need something to compete with Disney, and it's, like, the best we've got right now. Dude, I audibly said, are we just starting a new movie? <laughs> like, what the heck? Like, because I was like, oh my gosh. Like, it shocked me so hard because the, the movie started already. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never seen this before. Like, I don't know if you have seen that before, like, in any other movie or something, because I've never seen that, like, starting over. Like, the movie starting over is such a... I think the only thing I can think about is, uh, like, Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. I think is the only thing I can think about where the movie starts over because he dies, and he basically <laughs> goes to the entire movie again. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's like, I've never had that experience of, like, I start a movie, I'm watching a movie, and then bam, that ends, a new movie starts. Uh, it's crazy. It, it felt like we were traveling to different universes. It felt like, this is the one universe, this is where the movie, this is the movie in this universe. Like, there's a universe where this is the movie that you're watching, and then we're traveling to this other universe where you're watching now the Miles movie. I can't think of a movie that's done that off the top of my head, but honestly, going into that, it reminded me of playing the intro of Kingdom Hearts 2, which is kind of infamous for a similar thing, where it's like you spend, like, a couple hours with this one protagonist, and, like, he goes through this whole story arc, and then his, his story arc ends at the end of that intro, which, again, took a couple hours, and then you go back to, again, you go to the actual main protagonist, you actually go to Sora, and you're starting from scratch with Sora after that introduction, so, like, in that regard, it was similar to this, but, yeah, I can't think of a movie that's done that, only video games. So, yeah, it was shocking to me, and I was like, this is revolutionary in so many ways. Like, they are doing things that nobody has done before. This hasn't been done before. (laughs) It's like... 
and the fact that I enjoyed it, I was like, this is amazing. It, it was incredible. It's like it just shows you how you can experiment with the the, the formula that has been built throughout history uh, in, in film. And like I really love uh, again that what we were saying is that there is, seems to be like this theme of that maybe if you're honest about your secret identity, you can essentially change the the. the change the 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 canon basically yeah. events yeah change the from, narrative change the narrative for yourself exactly from from happening so it's like basically when telling her dad like actually uh removing the mask and telling her secret identity to him <coughs> cause him to to leave the leave the police force and he never becomes captain so he's not gonna die mm-hmm because what we learned in this movie, and which is something that I never actually realized, like I never actually like realized this completely. I knew that somebody close to you died as a Spider-Man, somebody close to you, but also a captain of the police force, which <laughs> I didn't realize that that was like a thing. And then I thought about it. I was like, yeah, actually that is true. Yeah, like they there's did always- research. There's, there's always two deaths, like, there's always the, the death of, a, like, a loved one, uh, and the death of a captain. That's really, that's really funny in that, uh, like, you know, in a funny in that, like, uh, not, not, like, haha way, but right. it's, like, funny, like, in, I never thought about that before, it's, like, it's a, there's a pattern here, and I, I think that's the thing with Miguel O'Hara, is that he's seen a pattern and he's identifying that as, oh, this is like canon. Mm-hmm. This needs to happen, and I just don't think so. I think, and I think this movie is basically, and this maybe could be just my my interpretation of it, but I see it as a fight between choices and um, destiny. Mm-hmm. What is real? Is destiny real? Are, are choices real? Like, what is real? Uh, and, you know, I personally think that there is, uh, like, I believe in a sorts of predestination uh, as a Christian, but not, I don't believe in destiny. I believe that there is things that are set to happen and will happen. I do believe that, but I don't believe it's uh, necessarily destiny uh i believe that there's choices along the way and they can those things can coexist just because something is set to happen as a let's say like call it a canon event right Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that the choices that you make along to get that into that uh, there don't don't matter Mm -hmm. like so basically there's choices and there is there are canon events i do think uncle ben needs to die for spider-man to become Mm spider-man uh or not necessarily Uncle Ben, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. like a a relative dies, so that Spider Man goes like, "Oh, these powers are meant for something more than just for me to make money." Because that's basically all Spider Man always thinks about. That first, it's like, "Oh, how can I I benefit from this?" Mm-hmm. And then when their relative or loved one dies, they're like, "Oh, this is more than just just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to use this." I need to use this. Uh, they they either go. 
I need to use this for good. Or they go, oh, I need to be careful with life. Mm. Life is uh, like, like I need to be careful. And I, I think Miguel O'Hara is wrong. And like Spider-Man doesn't need trauma. He needs experience. He needs to realize life is important. And I don't do this to benefit myself, but to help others. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what Spider-Man is. It's just Spider-Man is this character that uh, tries to... uh, He has gone through these events, and he's like, I'm going to try for that not to happen to anyone else. That that doesn't need to happen to anyone else. I'm going to save all the uncles out there. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) It's like with every superhero story, where it's like there's always going to be pain... But the hero doesn't... It's not the pain that makes the hero the hero. It's the choice to rise above that pain. It's a choice to, like, let that pain fuel them to do good. As opposed to saying, no, this has this pain has to happen. Like, yes, pain is inevitable. Pain will always happen. But the point is to get back up from that pain and to try to keep... And try to, like, keep that from happening to other people. Let that pain inspire you. Otherwise, there'd be no point to it altogether. But the problem with Miguel is that he thinks the point is the pain... And the only reason he thinks that is because he's been burned by thinking otherwise. Because before that, he thought, oh, I have a choice in the matter. I can live happily. I can enjoy myself. I can do this. I can, like, go above my circumstances or change my circumstances. But then he got hurt and hurt other people as a result of that. And so as a result, he overcorrected thinking, oh, no, I don't have a choice. I'm defined by my circumstances. If I try to go beyond that, it just leads to more hurt for myself or for others. And so I can't do that. And I can't let anyone else do that. Whereas Miles, his opposite thing is, his opposite philosophy is, no, you do have a choice. And, like, you do have a means to do something about this. And it's just a matter of choosing to get back up when you do face the pain, but also trying to do what you can to make sure other people don't get hurt. Because, yeah, you do have a responsibility to do something if you have a means to do so. You can't just, like, again, like, this, and this is a recurring theme in the first movie, where it's like, yeah, you'll get knocked down. But you're supposed to get back up when you do get knocked down. Like, you're not supposed to stay down. And from Miles' perspective, Miguel is basically just staying down. Yeah, and what do you think? Do you actually think that Miguel O'Hara actually caused that world to disintegrate? Because I don't think... I don't think he did. Like, I think he interpreted that way. I think he... That event that happened, I think, probably was a collision with another timeline. And that's why... Like, it got destroyed. Like, he just assumed that just because he was there, he was the cause of it. And I think what actually happened was a convergence. uh, And and usually when a convergence happens, when two realities crash, they either combine or they cease to exist. Mm -hmm. One of them stays alive, one of them dies. Both of them dies, or they combine and create a new universe. Uh... That's what happens, like, in the comics, and that's what, basically, they're trying to do in the MCU, which this is connected to the MCU because they show the the actual, like, the mm-hmm. the timeline from the MCU, and they also mention the MCU uh, in here, and um, the Venom verse as well. Um, I got the basic, I got the yeah. impression that he actually, it was a natural result of him. If it was just that, if... I, I only believe that, though, because of what we saw with um, the Indian Spider-Man universe, universe and how that universe started falling apart because they messed with canon. If they just given us that flashback of Miguel, 
I would have been thought, okay, I would have thought, okay, this feels a little suspicious to me, maybe there's more to the story. But the fact that the story also gives us an actual like, tangible example of what happens when you mess with the canon and how that messes with the reality, I'm more inclined to believe that Miguel actually caused his reality to fall apart. But I think regardless of whether or not he actually did it, I think the main point here is that he believed he did, A, and B, that he's making the point, and, this, and I think this is still true regardless, of that your actions do have consequences. And I think that's the main point that he's trying to make, and like, that's what he represents on a philosophical mm -hmm. level. And I think he is correct, and I think that is a recurring thing we see both in this movie and the prior movie, how if you do too much to... If you're not careful with the power or means that you have, if you're not responsible with the power that you have, that will cause a lot of damage. I mean, just look at Kingpin and, like, what he tried to do. Where it's like, he had all this power at his disposal, and he tried to, like, upend his circumstances, and he nearly destroyed multiple realities as a result as well. And that's why those Spider-Men had to stop him in the first movie. So I think whether or not Miguel actually did destroy reality from his own actions, I think the main point here is that he does have a point that there are um, consequences to your actions, and that can definitely affect people on a multiversal level. Kind of like when he pointed out with the, the MCU stuff, where it's like, he's pissed off at, like, at Doctor Strange for, like, causing a ruckus in the most. He is pissed off at Greta Miles for causing a ruckus in the multiverse, because your actions do ha do definitely affect other people. Whether it's, ca whether it's catastrophic as he thinks it is, is, what I think, what the big question is, but he definitely has a point that yes. you do affect other people. I, uh, I agree. I, I agree that there are consequences. I agree that uh, canon events are possible, that, that they're an actual thing. Because we do see that in the MCU as well, that the canon events, they're called something else on the MCU, but uh, that if you try to change that, basically you can destroy reality. Mm -hmm. uh, we see that in, in What If Doctor Strange does it until his reality falls apart mm -hmm. because he's trying to change a canon event. Now, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. That canon event that he was trying to change happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And he was going back in time to change an event that already happened. Did he go back in time? I thought he just went to another reality where the event already happened. The, uh... We're talking about Miguel, right? Like, he went to another universe where he was already dead. and then No, just... no, no, yeah, but, um... Doctor Strange, I mean... Oh, uh, sorry, my bad. If, my sorry. bad, my bad, sorry. In the, in the What If story, he goes back in time and he changes the event, the canon event that was already supposed to happen mm -hmm. so many times because it kept happening. Mm -hmm. She kept dying no matter what he tried. She kept dying, 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 dying. Yep. And he did that so many times that when he actually saved her, like from the thousands of times, like the universe just fell apart mm -hmm. uh, because he disrupted the canon event. But that was in the past. That happened already. Mm -hmm. Now, here's my, my thing with, with Miguel O'Hara. It's like, I get what he's where he's coming from, mm -hmm. but what he did is very different to what he wants everybody else to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because he went to a different dimension where he was supposed to be dead. And that girl was supposed to live uh, a life with her without her father, father mm -hmm. apparently. If that is like a canon event in that world, and he changed that, I understand why the universe fall apart, fell apart, right? Mm -hmm. that, that wasn't supposed to happen. But he created an algorithm based 
on past experiences of each Spider-Man from all dimensions. And he's saying that all these experiences need to happen exactly the same way for everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that is where I think he's wrong. Because mm-hmm. these events haven't happened yet. There are universes where, like, Peter Parker doesn't even exist. Or Peter Parker doesn't get beaten by the radioactive spider. Gwen does. Mm-hmm. So, there are changes in those events. Like, uh, Gwen Stacy was able to... Once she revealed her identity, she was able to make her dad go away from that. So he no longer fits the archetype of the commissioner that dies. Mm-hmm. And her, uh, right? So, uh, or the captain that dies, sorry. So I think that the problem is that he algorithmically is predicting the future. Mm-hmm. And he's being like, we have to let that happen. And I think that's where the evil comes from. Yes. Because I think that's not what a hero would do. Uh, and you see it come and come again, right? Is the trolley problem. Who do you save? The one or the many? What does Spider-Man do in Sam Raimi? He freaking saved both. Mm. The Green Goblin was like, choose one. Your loved one or these children in this like freaking like thing. He tossed both of them. And he went for both. Mm-hmm. He went for both. He saved the, his loved one and he saved the kids. Like, and he did it. And and that's the amazement of the superhero, right? It's like the like you you do not do the the trolley problem. You go down there, you save that guy from the rail, and then you save the other people from the rail as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the idea of Spider-Man being like. No, we have to let that one person dies so that the whole universe gets to live. It's kind of like, no, I have to do both. And that's the Miles is being the antithesis of Spider Man in that moment. He's mm-hmm. being, no, you can save both. Mm-hmm. Like, and a lot of people would say, like, well, that's kind of, that kind of makes no sense. Like, you know, but that's what superheroes are. Yeah. Like, superheroes are. No, let's save the one person. Yes, you know, uh, over the over the many. Even though they are gonna save the many, mm-hmm. they are still gonna save that one person. Yep. Like, like that's a goal of every superhero, and like that's like, and that's clearly Miles's goal in here. And obviously, you can't save everyone, and that's reality. But at the same time, yeah, you though, yeah. you can't let that def- stop you from trying. Like and like, yes. there's that powerful line that Spider-Ham says in the first movie, and that they replay in this movie. That like, the hardest part of this job is that you can't save everybody. But even though you can't save everybody, and that's reality, you still have the choice to actually try to, because you can save more than you think, and that's what this boils down to. Where Miguel is so caught up in circumstances and saying, and like resigning, like resigning himself to his circumstances and de- denying his own agency, Mi- Miles is like, no, I have more agency. I have more. I'm not going to let. I like. I acknowledge these circumstances, but I still acknowledge that I also have a choice in this matter, and so I have more agency. Where like Miguel thinks he has no agency, and therefore no one else does too. Like it's all defined by circumstances. Where, where Miguel, where uh, Miles is like, no, I have agency. I have choices. My circumstances are important, but I will not let that stop me from doing what I want to do or what I need to do. And that's like the big clash of their philosophies right here. Exactly, and it, <laughs> dude, you made me think about the. The scene at the end, where, where, because you mentioned the uh, spider uh, porker thing, mm-hmm. 
that scene at the end where everything is falling apart and like he's swinging and everything is like morphing around yeah. him and like it's such a visual representation of his world view falling apart like mm -hmm. his his whole everything that he believed in all the things that like he the people that he loved right are following him like all the things that like he missed them and everything his world is literally falling apart behind him as he swings oh my god it's so good <laughs> like you can't like i mean you can try to do that in live action but i think it's not gonna i don't know if it's gonna like look uh, i don't know if people are gonna understand what's going on in the moment Right? Because mm -hmm. in this moment, like, I accepted that reality. For a second, I was like, what's going on? And then I was like, no, 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 no. This is happening in his mind. His world is falling apart. And they're showing us mm -hmm. his world falling apart. Oh, so beautiful. I was like, wow. Like, this movie, like, even at the end. I think the beginning and the end has such a artistic interpretation of film. It's just like... Like, well, what's going on on screen? It's like, oh, it was it was amazing. Yep. And I think another powerful thing that I really enjoy about this movie, like, going back to um, you pointing out how the theme is, like, how one of the themes is being more honest with the people around you and therefore changing the narrative as a result. I think going even deeper into that, I feel like a key theme, or at least a key interpretation I saw from this movie, is just dealing with one's own loneliness and how... Yes, like, they, they, they make the point in both Miles and Gwen of how, like, the life of a superhero is very, very lonely, and how mm -hmm. they both thought they could find a solution to her loneliness by, like, finding a collective of spider people like them, like, finding the spider yeah. collective, but then also realizing, oh, this also isn't the satisfaction for the loneliness that yeah. I, I wanted. Like, these people also failed me, and, like, don't really mm -hmm. vibe with me the way I wanted it to. And, like, it, and they kind of were both under this impression that, that they were, like, oh, man, am I just, like, doomed to this faith of, like, being a superhero when no one understands me, I had to like push these people away from mm -hmm. me. No one gets me, blah blah blah. But then, like again, like their circumstances seem to dictate, yeah, this is like they're doomed to this life of loneliness because that's what a superhero is quote unquote cursed to. But then they yeah. both upend that by making the choice in the midst of that circumstances. They both make a choice mm -hmm. to be more honest with the people around them, be more honest yes. with their loved ones, to be like, hey, this is what's going on right now. I, f I feel like this, and I'm hiding so much, and it's very, and just, I feel a lot of pressure, I feel a lot of pain, and I don't know what to do with it. And then they get the accepting, acceptance that, that we're hoping for. Like, especially Gwen. Like, Gwen especially got that with her and her dad, and, like, you could tell that that's what Miles is going to get as well. But, like, Gwen really got the acceptance that she was looking for this whole movie, just, like, wanting to be accepted for who she was from start to finish, from being a normal person to being a spider person. She got that acceptance from her dad. And by having that acceptance, like you said, that changed the narrative. Not only did that save um, Gwen's dad from like the fate of being a dead, a dead uh, chief of police, but that also gave that also empowered um, Gwen to um, reaffirm her own identity and empowered her to go out and yeah. do what she wanted to. Because the movie started with started with her being like, "Oh, I just want to be in a band. I want to be in a place where people accept me. I want to like be a part of something." And like that fell apart when like she joined the Spire Collective. But then after she had this redemptive moment with her dad and like re-understood her own identity, she went out and made her own band of spider people to go out and save Miles. Mm -hmm. So like that's exactly what she yeah. wanted this whole time. And the only reason she was able to do it so was by actually being honest about her own pain or her own 
loneliness, and that really yes. helped her feel on a visceral level, oh no, I'm not as lonely as I think I am, so therefore I'm empowered to make more choices than I think I do. I'm not resigned to this fate of being a lonely superhero. I can be an empowered individual who's loved by others, and who can connect with others, and lead others, and be a part of a team of people that actually accept me and know me. Yeah, exactly. I think the... Uh, what you mentioned is like that that loneliness that uh sadness uh you try always try to look for people to other people to fulfill that and you're like well no you have to there are already people that love you and accept you where you are it's just that you decided not to be open with them yeah you need to give them a chance to do so otherwise you're hurting yourself in the long run exactly and and like that's the that's always been like a, a deal with me, right? It's like, why would you have a secret identity from your family and friends? And that's always been like a, a, a little bit with me with with Spider Man, uh, a little bit of a beef I have with the original, the always the original take on it. It's like of him keeping the secret identity with everybody that he loves. Right, I, I I always like when he reveals it to them. Like I like it. I like it. I like the MCU where it's like he didn't like the first thing he did was like reveal it to to his best friend. You know, like I mean, it, it didn't happen. Like it didn't happen. Uh, he didn't say it, but his friend found out. Like, right? And and I think I think all your friends would find out if you're if you're like a superhero. Come on, like. Like, if you are a superhero, <coughs> sorry, your parents have to, like, your parents know. Like, my parents know things, uh, like, without me telling them sometimes. I love and, that moment in the MCU where, like, Aunt May finds out just by, like, walking in on Peter, like, unmasking himself. And she's like, what yeah. the? And, like, that's exactly that what, what would happen if you're a real, like, teenage superhero trying to keep exactly. a identity. Your parents will find out, so there's no point in trying. <laughs> Yeah, like if your parent, your dad or mom is gonna walk inside the room without asking or knocking, and they're gonna be like, "Oh, what?" <laughs> Not what I was expecting when I was walking in on you, but I guess it's better than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, uh... <laughs> but but here's the thing. Um, another another thing that we um, I think we need to talk about is the what do you think about? I like Spider-Punk, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen the comic book, mm -hmm. right? And the reason he's an anarchist, but the anarchy is against, like, an actual, like, evil mm -hmm. corporations within the universe. Uh, like, they're, like, this universe is, like, controlled by, like, actual, like, evil people. And so he's an anarchist taking down a, a evil uh, institution. So what do you think what do you think about anarchy? Like what do you think about um like Spider-Man uh, a Spider-Man that promotes anarchy and and uh kind of wants anarchy to happen within even that that organization that they made of of Spider-Man. Again, it's one of those things where like it's taken to extreme. I don't vibe with it, but like when it's more nuanced and balanced, I can see good in it and I see that good especially in this movie where it's like I appreciate it. I appreciate Hobie. I appreciate Spider Punk as being like an unexpected mentor figure for Miles because Miles' main problem going into this movie is that, like, again, going back to what we were talking about before, he was feeling very lonely and insecure and thought he could find that resolution by 
um, putting himself as part of the Spider Collective and like being accepted and all that, and like finding his happiness there. But as we come to discover, he didn't find his happiness in that. And I think part uh, part of the reason he realized that I think was his interactions with Spider Punks. I think Spider Punk helped him realize, no, you can be more of an individual than you acting like, buddy. Like you don't need to put your blind faith in this corporation or blind faith in all these people and assume that, like, they'll satisfy you, because that's, like, the wrong way of doing things, and that's exactly how we get these, like, evil governments into power, by putting our blind, blind faith in these people. Think for yourself a little bit more, try to be more of your own individual, and then you'll see what you actually can and can't place your trust in. So, like, in a more nuanced look at it, it kind of reminds me of, like, on the, um, when we talked about the idea of stoicism on the Overthinkers podcast, with this whole idea of, like, no, you shouldn't let other people influence you too easily. Stop and think about what you're doing. Stop and look at yourself a little bit more, as opposed to looking at everybody else. And when you have more of that foundation in you, you're able to navigate life a little bit easier, and you're not so easily swayed. And so the good I see in Spider-Punk is, like, he's that stoic kind of individual where he knows who he is, he knows who he wants, he's not going to blindly accept the collective just because it's a collective, like, he's gonna have some level of suspicion for it. Now, of course, taking it to extreme, where it's just pure anarchy, you have a suspicion of every single collective, and where you don't want to cooperate and do anything, or just want to do your own thing, that's obviously bad. But I think, I think, in this movie, in this context, he brings a healthy sort of, uh, counterbalance to the idea that Miles was having to begin with, where he thought, oh, this will just be unequivocally good by, like, trusting this collective, where it's like, no. I need to actually think for myself a little bit more and trust myself a little bit more and be willing to clash with this collective where it clashes where it starts to do things that I don't really agree with. Yeah, I think it's played, uh, the anarchy in this is played as a joke, but also as a, like, as you said, like, if it's balanced, when, when he's actually, like, I think because he... I think he joined the team, right? I think he, he was he was joined the team, uh, and and then he I think he sees like he's been studying, like he said, I was like I'm studying the enemy, right? And it's like he's been studying to see if what they were doing was right. I think, right? Yes. Because that's what like I feel like anarchy, right? The anarchists, right? The, the if if you kind of and if you kind of see it as a black and white thing which is what it, the comic book he comes from is very black and white because the anarchists are the good guys and the corporations are legitimately evil mm-hmm. like they're not like they're not these corporations that are good like they're like they're the norman osborne's corporations you know mm-hmm. like there's the they're actually like like evil and and uh all the superheroes are kind of like in this anarchy kind of kind of thing uh because they're trying to fight against this evil corporations. Mm-hmm. And that's what the world he's coming from. It, it, like, so I think you got to understand the context of the comic book he's coming from mm-hmm. and not judge him based on, on like what we conceive as anarchy, mm-hmm. because the, the anarchy that we conceive is, is more nuanced mm-hmm. than, than the anarchy that what he's coming from mm-hmm. like we we know the and we know that mo- a lot of these universes are s- more simplistic i mean P- spider Par- uh, spider porker comes from a world a cartoon world in his world he can like freaking throw an anvil on someone and they're gonna be fine mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like and like uh so and that's not very violent in his world rather like in if you try it in Gwen's universe you're gonna kill someone like that's gonna be seen as bad right and uh, the same thing with the the vulture 
that came into the world, like when was like, hey, be careful, your papers, like don't use fire, you know, because like he, he's using fire like on this on this universe, and she's like, your paper, dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like it, it's also seeing the context of where what comic book they're coming from, and it's like understanding that I think. Um, Which is very reminiscent of real life. Well, like, you gotta understand the story context of, like, every person you come to meet. Where it's like... Yeah. Where it's like we kind of are quick to assume somewhat something about someone just by this little glimpse that we see of them, but we don't have their full story. And in fairness, we're never gonna have someone's complete story, but you gotta mm-hmm. keep in mind that, like, there's always more to a story that you think you know, so you gotta be humble and you gotta keep that, like, in mind when you do interact with people and when you do engage with people, being like, okay, maybe there's a reason why you said this, or maybe there's a reason why he thinks that. I shouldn't mean I shouldn't immediately assume the worst in them, given them give people yeah. be willing to give people the benefit of the doubt because there's a whole story behind them that you don't know about, a whole context for them. Yeah, I see a lot of people like saying that Miguel O'Hara is evil, and I'm like, I don't think he's evil. No. Like he's just what? overcorrecting. He's not evil at all. Yeah, no. no, like he's he just he thinks he he has a belief, and he believes he's right. And he, he says it at the end. He's like, we are the heroes. Like, because when it's like, we're supposed to be the heroes. And then he's like, we are the heroes. And then he's like, and he reassure. I think he's reassuring himself. I am. I am the hero. And he's reassuring other people. We are. We are the heroes. Like, we are. Like, you got to understand where, where he's coming from as well. Like, right? Because people don't, a lot, a lot of people, again, they don't know who my, who, Miguel O'Hara is like, and the 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 movies are trying to introduce characters that not a lot of people know, and they're trying to introduce them in really short way where it's like compact and 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 you can understand it. But you gotta also look at his backstory. He is <coughs> he didn't want to be Spider Man. He was like he literally uh, was. Well, I know Spider Man wanted to be Spider Man, <laughs> but. But but the his story is more tragic because he was betrayed by a, by um, by the company. He wasn't bitten by a radioactive spider. He was literally thrown into like a like a like an explosion with a radioactive spider mm-hmm. by his employer because he wanted like some fair treatment or something like that. There was something um, he was getting mistreated at work. And uh, he wanted to get uh, fairness and whatever. And his employer just kind of like just pushed him into. He basically his employer wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. So he was gonna basically he was gonna get killed by his employer, and that's how he got his powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's implied in this movie as well that he needs to take like some kind of uh, serum or like, something. Serum. Yeah. To I don't know if it's to keep him like. Sane? Alive? I don't know. Or sane? Or, like, I didn't understand that very well. I'm sure uh, some people, the next movie. Yeah, some people have interpreted that as him injecting the spider venom onto him. Like, the spider powers uh-huh. onto him. And then some other people have interpreted it as a healing thing. Because he doesn't have the... He doesn't actually have the healing factor that Spider-Man has. Mm. So he has to, like, heal himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably. 
but, so... But yeah, in a nutshell, my, uh, Miguel, compared to other Spider-Men, this is just a much more jaded character. And when you know his story, you understand completely understand why he's jaded. And it doesn't make him yeah. evil. It just means that he has an easier time seeing the big picture, what some Spider-Men struggle with. And that's like exactly why he's a, he's like brought into the fold and exactly why he his narrative is a fresh take on Spider-Man because he sees a bigger picture a little bit. But, like, yeah, the problem is that he can miss the fortune of a tree sometimes. But it doesn't make him evil. It just means that he's experienced a lot of pain. And because he's experienced yeah. a lot of pain, he's fully aware of the consequences people can have, especially people as a whole can have, on other people as a whole. And so that's why he tries his best to try to maintain that balance and that order. And, like, I love how the internet has already been quick to point out how this is not the first time he's seen... Miguel yeah. pulls something like this. Like, if you play the Spider-Man video games, there's that Spider-Man video game Edge of, uh, Edge of Time, where, like, this yeah. exact same scene, this exact same interaction happens, where, like, Peter Parker of the past, or of the present, like, finds like uh, finds out that Mary Chain is supposed to die or something, and so, like, he tries to, like, he, like, resolves to try to prevent that timeline from happening, or try to prevent that ha- from happening. But, but Miguel, who's, like, talking to with him through time, tries to argue against that, being like, no, like, this is how time is supposed to go. If you mess with that, you'll make things even worse than they already are because, like, the whole reason we're able to even talk right now to begin with is because people were being reckless with time and caused these problems to begin with, so it might be problematic if you try to go against time even further by saving Mary Jane. And, of course, Peter goes against this and does save Mary Jane. But, like, you totally, exactly. under- but you totally understand where my- more Miguel is coming from because he's seen yeah. time and again how even people use their power, are being irresponsible with their powers and therefore cause yes. problems for everyone else. So that's why M- Miguel is especially keen on people being responsible with their powers and maintain that and and miguel comes from a world where uh or in his world spider-man already existed and he is uh he was a fan of Mm spider-man so so he's a fan of spider-man and he he chooses to be a spider-man even though his powers are not similar to spider-man they're they're very different he has like very different powers to Spider-Man, but he's like, like I admire this hero. I want to be like this hero, but he is not like other Spider-Man. He's more violent. Uh, he resorts to more, uh, a little bit more of a uh, brute force because his body is made out is made that way. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. he's he has claws. He literally like claws come out of his hands, yeah. uh, and it's like even if he tries not to be. He the instinct he has in him is more animal is more animal yep. than what the other Spider-Mans have, and he's very just more straightforward. I think as a result, or like prone to sub- subterfuge more in ways than the other Spider-Man normally are. Because like I'm like um the other day like I saw this comic book page like out of context and like like gave a good glimpse into Miles' character where like Miles is like fighting some random supervillain trying to protect the scientist woman at the same time, and some, and the supervillain's like, hey Spider-Man, I have a beef with you. If you just let me kill this lady, I'll let you go. Or like we can like be done with this and wash our hands, and Miles is like, "Okay, cool. I don't have any attachment to this lady. You can go ahead and kill this go kill this woman for all I care. Like that's fine, whatever." But then in the next page, he obviously used it as a trick to like get behind the guy and like um, and like um, undo uh-huh. like um, trap him or whatever. Like he was totally fine like playing the bad guy because he's very logical in that sense and again very jaded. But he just uses that as a means to be very underhanded and like actually beat the bad guy and more like. So in more underhanded ways, which is more than what Peter yeah. Parker might, you might see Peter Parker might do. He he's very sarcastic. Like he's being sarcastic. He's like, yeah, sure, I'm gonna let you kill this lady. 
and uh, you know he he's being sincere about it, but he, you know that he's actually like you can be shocked for a second, but you know that like that's not what he's gonna actually do. Right, right. And which which what I love about and one of the things I love about Spider Man, right, and and the character is the fact that he he talks he talks to his villains like he talks to them like he he doesn't only quip them he doesn't only tell them jokes and stuff like that uh he sometimes lets their guard down right and starts actually talking about why they're doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. and um you know I, i feel like this movie is exploring the idea of spider man itself like what is to be spider-man yeah what is it to be spider-man and who like it's not about who's right or who's wrong i think it's more about um like at the end of the day um they need to learn from each other yeah are you willing to engage and i think we're gonna have like an all-out war between two spider-man sides Right, and I think at the end they're gonna come together, mm-hmm. and they're gonna be like, uh, they're gonna notice or they're gonna learn. Like I think Miguel's gonna be like, Miguel's gonna see like, oh, you were right. We don't have to follow this future timeline that hasn't happened yet. But I do think that we still need to be careful mm-hmm. uh, with how we we uh, go around. Uh, our universes, right? Yeah. We can't just uh, we can coexist. I think we can coexist, but like we need to be careful of what we do in those universes. And I think that's exactly what Miguel and or what Miles and Gwen will acknowledge on their side when they like again come yeah. to like a, a reconciliation with Miguel, where it's like, okay, yeah, we fully acknowledge how much we too have screwed up with the multiverse, and we also acknowledge how much the spot is we're screwing up in the multiverse by being irresponsible with his powers. So, Miguel, you do have a point. We do have to be responsible with how we uh, operate with these things. But, yeah, like, but also, like you just said, Miguel acknowledges, no, we do have more of a choice in the matter. We can't coexist. It's like both sides will come together and unify in their fight against the spot. To fight the spot. Yeah, exactly. And I think they both will learn the lesson in in that fight with the spot. Because... The spot, because here's the thing. I think the Moonbatten thing could have been the spot. Mm-hmm. It is possible. You know why? It's because the reason I think about it, right, is because the way they presented Miguel's, the Miguel universe destroying mm-hmm. or ceasing to exist. Yeah, it did was look not the same. It, it was not the same of what was happening uh-huh. in Moonbatten. Like the thing that was happening in Moonbatten was the uh, collider energy that they they explained that that Miguel explained was sending other people to other universes like cuz there is something that is sending like the the opening the rift that cost that was caused by uh the by uh, by the collider mm-hmm. by the collider uh, is the thing that is causing villains to jump from different dimensions. Mm-hmm. Like that's why that's that's we, we see that in that's why that's what happened to Venom. Venom wasn't sent to to the uh, Marvel universe because of the events of um, because of the events of the of uh, gosh, No Way Home. 
because of the events of No Way Home, he was sent to that universe because of the events of Spider-Verse, because of the Collider. Because for him, he didn't know Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't know Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. But he was transported to this other world because of the events of the Collider. And that's what, basically, they retroactively mm. have corrected the, the basically, the error of those other movies. Where it's like, they were, like, it, it was kind of getting confusing. <laughs> it was the same thing with Morpheus. It's like, why did, like, the Vulture come into Morpheus's world out of nowhere you know it's like why is he on Morpheus world it's because the the portals have been being opening up uh, uh like that um like they did in Mumbatton and it's like that I think the spot is causing uh now those rifts that the collider cost mm-hmm. but they're destructive because he's he's taking like uh right and because basically the you can see it as kind of like the universe is opening and and giving right he's the the universe is giving something right but now he's taking from the universe so that's he's taken away from it like and you see like in his design how like he's taking from the universe like these like the black Mm -hmm. uh, stuff you know i think that he caused that in mumbatan to happen and Miguel interpret that as, oh, that it's because of the canon events. Like mm-hmm. the canon event didn't happen, so that's what happens when that happens. And, and I think yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. I think he's wrong. Yeah, I, I think I he think he's he's probably he's probably right about messing with dead people. Mm-hmm. But dead people should not be messed with. But yeah, he's he's very quick to apply his own narrative universally when acting like he has yeah. all the answers when clearly. Not everyone, not anyone in the multiverse has all the answers about the multiverse. Exactly, uh, that's very true. And <laughs> I like to see if they actually introduce the actual li- uh, web of life and destiny, which yeah, is I'm, a comic book thing. Yeah, I'm surprised we also haven't seen Madame Web yet. But I was kind of expecting a cameo from her as well. Yeah, no, because she is the one that holds the the plays. In the actual time, uh, like the actual cosmic, basically the cosmic reality mm-hmm. of the web of life and destiny. Like, I think Miguel stumbled across it and he is trying to make sense of something that only a cosmic being can understand. <laughs> I think he's, he's uh, like trying to understand something that only like, f- like physically, like someone higher than him can only comprehend mm-hmm. uh and he's trying to to comprehend that right it's the same reason it's the same way like we try to we we can't comprehend how choices and 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 predestination can both work together mm-hmm. it's way above our pay grade exactly it, it makes no sense in our heads but it makes sense to god you know so it's like Miguel can't understand destiny, like or how it works, um, and he definitely, basically, I think he is seeing this a, and he's not taking into consideration the choices that people make. Yes, because Madame Web goes in and she takes people out from their from their realities, from their destinies, and go, "Hey, I need you to do this for me." 
like there's this problem if this problem doesn't get solved this universe is gonna get destroyed like that is in fact changing destiny because mm -hmm. it's taking people from their destinies to save another destiny mm -hmm. so it's like is that like hold on wait what so is that <laughs> always supposed to, was that always supposed to happen or is this like a, an actual choice that people are making to is she making a choice for them to make the choice of helping the other people in that other reality mm -hmm. so it's like and i think this is where and maybe this with well, the next movie will go into it because like from this movie especially, and even the first movie, they're kind of taking a more scientific, logical look at the multiverse. Yeah. But now we're getting to the point where like, it's like, oh no, there's lots that doesn't make sense. And so there might be more faith and mysticism applied to this than we actually really thought. And so maybe this is like, again, part of, maybe this will be part of Miguel's story arc in the next movie. Like, there's more of a leap of faith involved in this than we actually initially thought there was. Which, will, again, will make sense and be consistent with the themes of this franchise, because that was the recurring yeah. theme of the first movie, where both where both Miles and even Peter Parker had this moment where like, oh, I need to take a sleep of faith. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or not, or I don't know if things will go well or not, but my choice right now is to make a sleep of faith and just go with things, and that will empower me to do what I actually need to do. And I think well, that's about what these characters are about to learn on a multiversal level now. I, uh, I'm very excited to, to actually uh, see where this story goes. Mm -hmm. Like, I... Every single thing in this movie was so good. Like the Lego move, the, like <laughs> the Lego part. I was not expecting that, that man. That was so fun. I was not just seeing it. Like I thought it was gonna, just gonna be like a little cameo thing, where like just saw it, he pops in, he pops out. But we come back to it. Like we come <laughs> back to it, and Peter Park is like walking, and he's like talking to like. Everybody and he calls Miguel O'Hara on the elevator. It's like, good job, Peter. He, you truly are the best of us. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I love how they actually got an actual fourteen-year-old kid to animate this. Like, like yes, this, this is so amazing. Yes, and and like I for a second I was like, oh, he's stop motion animate. No, no, he's like he's an animator on YouTube. Uh, he does like the kind of like the Lego movie kind of animations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and he makes, wow, he's really good at it. Like, he, dude, like, the animations of this guy, have you, like, I was subscribed to him. Like, I didn't know it was him. Um, they were talking about, when they were talking about the 14-year-old, until he, he, he put it on, um, on his, like, history thing, mm -hmm. his, like, yes, it's official, like, I animated that part in the Lego, uh, in, uh the Spider-Man movie. Oh, that's so cool. That's amazing. That's so cool. <laughs> that's so awesome. I think uh, all the universes were cool. Like, there was the universe. He also traveled to the universe, like, of com like the comic books on the 50s. Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. universe as well. Like, the animation is spectacular in every single universe. Yep, yep. Like, um, the, the, it's so crazy that he went to the Venomverse as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that interaction with live action was in Donald Glover as the Prowler. As the Prowler. Like, yeah, those live action cameos were just like so seamless with the animation. It was so good. Oh 
my gosh, that was so fun. Uh, seeing spectacular Spider-Man. Yes, I, I was so hyped. I was like, oh no. I was like, oh my boy, spectacular Spider-Man. They even gave him a voice line too. Josh Keaton. Is, they did. It was so good to hear you again, boy. I'm I'm glad we were right. I, I'm glad when we saw the. I, I'm glad that. When we saw the poster, the poster had that Spider-Man. Yeah. It's like that kind of looks like spectacular. Like that kind of looks like spectacular, and he was spectacular. It was like, oh yes, 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 so yes. Glorious. Uh, and he's so short, man. He's a short king. He was. <laughs> he's the shortest Spider-Man there. Um, it was so funny. It makes me really excited to see what they're going to do in the next movie because, like, they've already I done know. such amazing like cameos and looks into universes <laughs> in this movie. It really makes you wonder what they're going to do in the next one because their sky's it, the limit. It seems like Spectacular is gonna f- go to Miles' team, to Miles's team, because we see like a lot of people, a lot of Spider-Mans are gonna choose between Miguel and mm-hmm. Miles in the next movie, and like if you see the poster, the poster kind of shows you. Like, uh, Miles is in the middle, right? Mm. And then you got his allies on one side, mm. and you got you got Gwen on one side, and you got Miguel on the other side. Uh-huh. And we know that Gwen is going to be uh-huh. a, an ally. Mm. And you see uh, Peter B. Parker there as well. Mm. Uh, so you know those are the lot of allies, and then you see Spider-Punk is on this side as well helping. Mm. And you see Miguel over here with other the other Spider Mans, all these other Spider Mans. So so it kind of seems like spectacular. You see him on that side as well with with uh, Gwen. So it could be it, it could. I would love that because I would certainly want to see more of him, and I want to see like. And I've told you this to you before, but like what I want is like a No Way Home kind of moment, but with like um, the animated Spider Man. So like we see yeah. Daniel Barr and OG ninety Spider Man next to Spectacular Spider Man, and like any other yes. anime, famous anime Spider Man, just like talking with each other, doing some quips, or like helping helping Miles with something. I just want I just want to hear them. The fact that. I wasn't. I, I was. Look, when Penny Parker was in the first movie, what nobody know who the heck Penny Parker was. Yeah. I know who Penny Parker was. Like I'm a comic book fan. I know who she was. I read Spider Verse. I've I've read Spider Verse mm-hmm. before I watched that movie. Uh, seeing her was cool. I was like cool. And the robot, I was like, ah, okay. I I'm, I'll accept this design because the design is cute. Uh huh. It's cute. This movie, <laughs> this movie gave me the actual mecha yep. from the comic book. Yeah. Oh my gosh! When she, when she put that thing on, I was like, "Holy crap! Yep. This is the best thing ever!" Yeah. Like she, <laughs> they did it. They did it. They they put on the actual mecha from the yep. comic books. And she was more dark. She was darker if you notice her. Like oh, yeah. she was like a little bit older. Debbie, she was Debbie a little older. Debbie did not look happy. And like she was did like, not look happy. She's like oh, because she, she was a part of the crew that like was trying to stop Miles, and she did not look happy about that at all. No, no, because it, like and what I love about her character is that it, like in the comic books, she wasn't this like hyper cute like uh, so like hyper person that they showed like in the first movie she's actually pretty depressing character uh-huh. like she's a, a huge because she's based on like a man like she's a manga like uh-huh. her world is manga so it's like an anime world yeah 
you know, anime kids are not happy. No, no, <laughs> never. Uh, they're in, in these worlds, in the mecha worlds. Uh-huh. I mean, like mecha worlds are really depressing. They're yep. teenagers being forced to pilot Gundams. Yep, yep. Uh, Neon Genesis, Evangelion, all over again. Yeah, and basically in that in her world, like her parents are basically, or her aunt and uncle, like Aunt May and, and uh, Uncle Ben, are basically forcing her to be. Like to pilot this thing, like she wants to because she wants to be like her dad, mm-hmm. like her dad. But she's a little kid. Yeah. They basically are like, okay, your dad is dead. Now you take the mantle and be the the hero, uh, yep. uh, uh for us. And so yeah, not sunshines and rainbows. Yeah, no, it's kind of messed up, and it's so fun to actually see it now on on screen. I was yep. like. Yes, this is the one from the comics. Let's go. <laughs> yep, yep. And like you can tell, this is like definitely their intention because it was funny, like seeing in the first movie how they like they made a big deal about like how she how her mecha quote unquote died in the first one. Like they gave it so much gravitas, yeah. and like you can tell that was the intention. Where it's like, okay, this is the moment where like she kind of starts to grow up, and like this is the moment where like we actually like will make her become what she's meant to become, which you see fulfilled in this next movie. Yes, I love that. And, I love that. And speaking of Mecca, speaking of Mecca, talking about what I want to see in the next movie, I really want to see the Japanese Spider-Man yes. show up, announce himself as the Emissary of Darkness, and then summon yeah. this giant Megazord, <laughs> Leopardon, and just like jumps into the fray of whatever massive battle they're doing, and everyone's just like, yes. what is happening? Why does Spider-Man have a Megazord? Yes, uh, I... I want that so bad. Please give it to me. Like, I remember that was a thing in the Spider-Verse comics, and it was so cool in the comics, and I want to see that again. I want to see it, because it's like... Because that's an actual, like, show that they had in Japan. Yep. It's it's live action. It was live action. It was so funny. Yep. Uh, Because when you translated, like, this (laughs) Spider-Man is basically... It's so funny what he says. Like it's like I am the adversary of Doctor. <laughs> so like, like, what the heck are you talking about? And I just want to see him do the most bizarre things. Like you see in clips of the show. Like I think there's one random clip where like he just straight up pulls out a gun on someone, and you're just like, what? Yeah. Spider-Man, what? <laughs> he just pulls out a gun. Yeah. Uh, that is the most unhinged Spider-Man ever. Like, I, he's so I, unhinged. I, uh, it'll be so glorious to see that anime because I know they'll do that well. Seeing an unhinged uh, Spider-Man just doing the most wacky stuff. Like, we thought it was wacky seeing Spider-Ham in this. We thought it was weird seeing funny and weird seeing, like, Spider-Punk in his animation style. But just seeing this live-action Japanese unhinged Spider-Man just pull out guns and summon robots will just, like, send everyone for a loop and it'll be hilarious to watch. Yes, I'm so excited for that. Uh, well, um, you know, uh, I, some of the people in my theater were like, what, what, it's it's over? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, there's a part two, guys. It's it's on all the promotional material. It seems like people, people, like, didn't realize, a lot of people didn't realize that there was, like, a part one. Like, this is what I'm wondering, because I didn't look into... I knew about the part, um, I knew it was going to be divided into part, two parts because they announced that, like, early on in production. But, like, in the, yeah. all the trailers and marketing they've done recently, 
How much have they actually mentioned that? I didn't look at the Treason trailers because they, I didn't watch them because I wanted to go in the movie blind. Yeah. But I wasn't, but like, they, okay. But like, yeah, how much did they actually say I, so? So it says, like, uh, Spider-Verse across the Spider-Verse, and then it glitches out and it says part one. Okay, okay. So it's like, I, like, they are promoting it as a movie, like a standalone movie, so it's like a, a, a trilogy. Uh-huh. But basically, they are saying in the trailers, it is a part one. There's a part two mm-hmm. to the to this. So it's like a direct sequel, like Endgame and, and Infinity Wars uh-huh. are two movies, but they are basically part one, part two. Mm-hmm. Like, if Infinity Wars ends on a massive cliffhanger uh-huh. for the next year to, mm-hmm. to end on Endgame. Mm-hmm. So... So it's the same way. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's also like Empire, you know, like uh, from Star Wars, mm-hmm. like Empire Strikes Back, and they have described it like that as well. Uh, some critics have described it like that, and, mm-hmm. and they're describing it like that on on their trailers. And like, yeah, it was pretty apparent that it was gonna have a massive cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Like they were, they made it really clear that this was gonna have a cliffhanger. But I ha- I heard a lot of people whining in my theater, anyways. I was like, I uh, like I had the same thing in my theater, so I think maybe like maybe some people just need to see it on a poster or something. Like uh, like if you're saying like what you said, it sounds like they did in trailers, which is great. But maybe people are thrown out just because they didn't see like a big glaring part one on the poster or something. I don't know. Yeah, but I think that's ugly. It's <laughs> yeah, like ugly to put part one on your title. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, I uh, but um. No, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very uh, curious um, about it. Uh, oh, you do know that the the Spider-Man was supposed to bid Miguel, right? Uh, sorry, Miles, in that dimension, uh, the 42 dimension. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, like, the, the spider was supposed to bid that uh, Miles Morales from that dimension. A lot of people are kind of confused about that, too, when the movie shows it to you. Mm-hmm. Like, at the beginning, I guess it's really fast. I guess it was, like, one of the criticisms that, that Joe had with the movie uh, was that it was too hyperactive. Ah. Since my mind, my mind is really hyperactive because of my ADHD, I was able to comprehend everything uh-huh. that was going on. And if anything, to me, that just means it lends itself to a rewatch, which I feel like is kind of, like, yeah. uh, that's a good thing. It was like, if you don't catch everything the first time, just watch it again. That's fine. We only have exactly. everything spoon-fed to you. Exactly. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, no. I think... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw Joe's uh, review on it. No, I did But... So, so like, he reviewed it saying that it was kind of like the continuation of Hollywood saying that authority is bad and it needs to be taken down or whatever. Uh, which is... I don't know that's what the movie was trying to say. Like, I can, like, again, I, I can see I can kind of get that, but I felt like, and maybe maybe they just haven't built it on enough, but again, I feel like this is kind of like building up to a nuance where it's like both sides have yes. a point that they're going to learn from each other. Maybe they're leaning too hard on like the anti-authority on this side, but I feel like that's exactly what they're setting up for the mo- next movie to get into. But yeah, I didn't feel like this is yeah. th- like that anarchist. No. No, yeah, I, I don't... I, I didn't feel like just because there was a anarchist Spider-Man, I didn't think this is an anarchist story. I think, no, 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 like, <clears throat> no, no, no. This is Gwen's story. Gwen is like, hey, it's not the anarchist Spider-Man story. He's not like, 
and he's I don't think he's pushing his anarchy on anyone. Yeah, yeah. I think he's uh, like he's he literally just was like uh <laughs> I love I love I, I just I, it was really cute when he's like that's an anarchist baby. Oh yeah, and like if anything else, but, the like the plot of this movie hinges around saving multiple authority figures. And I'd say that like yes. the only quote unquote authority in this movie is Miguel, but like he's a self proclaimed authority. Like we're just saying, exactly. He prote- he's acting like he knows everything, but like we're pointing out, yes. he clearly doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. And his problem is that he doesn't realize that himself. And that's what I tried to tell Joe, but like I was like, ah, Joe, I know you had like a uh, like a movie create. Like you're, you're the I'm professional not- critic. I want to tell you how to do your job, but exactly. I was like, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but I think Miguel O'Hara is not meant to represent authority. I think he's meant to represent uh, like someone who thinks he knows what he's yes. doing and has the authority because everybody else thinks that he is right because he's the only one with the experience uh-huh. of a fallen universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's self-proclaimed, like you mentioned, like a self-proclaimed uh, authority. So it's like less and, distrust of authority and more distrust of like people of older generations who have raised us who like, I think they have all the answers and like, we're yeah. starting to like question that. And so this movie felt exactly. more like that as opposed to all authority is bad. It's more like, no, we have some questions no. that you haven't really acknowledged. And, and, and Miles follows, and, and here's the thing, like, that is a really great point, actually, because Miles follows the, like, the authority of his parents. Yeah. He, in no, in no moment, he's like, oh, I am not doing these things because I want to fight the authority of my parents. Like, I don't want to listen to them. Like, he's not doing that. He's, like, being Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and that is causing friction mm-hmm. with the authority of his parents. Like, he's not legitimately trying to disobey or not listen to them he's just being spider-man yes now of and course like, there was that one moment where he disobeyed being grounded and went out on that date with glenn but that had immediate consequences that he felt yes. bad for and then when he got further punished he i think it's i got the impression he's prepared to follow that but then his mom was like no no go ahead you'll be punished when you come back go follow gwen and do your thing ex- so like he didn't ex- like he like he had some problems but like he wasn't outright disrespectful Exactly, because it, like, and he's he lives in a Puerto Rican household. You can <laughs> you cannot you can just not be dis- disrespectful to your parents. Mm-hmm. Like I think, and, and that's such a nuanced thing, right? Because it's, I think as an American, you're gonna be like, <coughs> as an American, saying whatever to your parents is not a big deal. <laughs> but saying whatever to your parents to like uh, to a Puerto Rican mom is basically blasphemy yeah so it's like uh you gotta say see si, mama yes mom like you gotta yeah like that moment in the movie where like more miles did that and like you saw the anger flare like, up in your everybody. eyes like you've just felt that like oh and, and then everybody turned around because everybody in that building is basically from that community it's like everybody's like what do you say <laughs> it's like so you see that authority is not being uh like trying to be taken down like mm-hmm. even when stacy like she's also not trying to fight the authority of her parents so like authority is not being trying to take it uh, this movie i don't think it's about taking down authority no this movie it's, is just about a newer generation trying to grapple with the older generation and both sides are trying yes. to learn to give a little exactly and you can see it in and when when gwen comes along and and says the names of the of his parents instead of saying sir <laughs> or, or stuff like that it's like and my parents had to get used to that as well because they were always used to hearing 
like Mr. Raymond or like uh, uh, stuff like that or mm-hmm. Sir, but my friends would just call them by their names, and uh, and uh, like I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> my parents were like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. But it's like, well, you know, it's like. It's a thing. And that's so funny because, like, that's pretty much the opposite for me. Like, with my friends, where, like, I would specifically call his, um, his, uh, Spanish mom and, uh, white dad, like, by their, like, by their last names, like, Mr. DeCipio, Mr., uh, Mrs. Yeah. Cipio, whatever. And they're like, no, Nathan, just call us by our first names. We know you forever now. Just call us by our names. Yeah, no, no, like, you have access to the name. You have access to the, to the name when you are close to the family. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Japanese, kind of like the Japanese culture where it's like, you only call people by the last name unless you like have like a like a familial bond. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, but but yeah, well, um, that this has been this has been fun conversation uh, about this movie. Um, I don't know. I think it's a five five stars, man. Mm. I think it's a ten out of ten. It's just a good a good movie. Good. I I think it has a good message. I think. It um, it presents two ideas very well, mm-hmm. and you don't feel like one one of them is the villain. I feel like you you know that the spot is the actual villain, but you also kind of see his point as well. Like you see his perspective as well, uh, but you know that he's actually doing really bad stuff. Yes. Uh, he's the actual villain of the story. It's just that uh, we haven't gotten there yet. Yes, like we haven't gotten there yet. Like, you get a glimpse of it, because, like, you can tell his characters revolves around the fact that he's been disregarded his whole life and hates being disregarded. Kind of like, uh, yeah. Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2 or whatever. So, it's like, and he's lashing out as a result of that. And, like, again, that kind of fits with, like, the main theme of this movie, how, like, Miguel was disregarding Miles and all of that. So, yeah. Like, like, but actually better. Yeah. Like, it's better than the, the Electro from Spider-Man 2. Yes. Because, like, the problem I had with that is how fast he turned. Because if if he was being treated like Miles treated the spot, if, if he was like, if 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 the Electra was kind of like Spider Man, please, like I'm like I'm sorry, I'm like doing these things like uh like uh, an accident, it's an accident and stuff like that, and just Spider Man continues to fight him and try to like hurt him and stuff like that, and he's like not listening to him, like Miles did, then I would have seen that turned into Electra being a villain. Mm-hmm that would have been better Mm -hmm. because it was handled so much better in this movie because because of miles's choices Mm -hmm. because of him not taking him seriously Mm -hmm. he basically made him want to be even more powerful now you gotta listen to me Mm -hmm. now you gotta look at me i am your nemesis look how i am gonna be taking away the, the things that you love and like it kind of and again it goes back to like talking about how much we how much people can let let their circumstances make the choices for them because he was like oh well i turned into this monstrosity so i lost my job no one will accept me no one will give me a job no one likes me so it means my circumstances say i have to be a supervillain, and so i'm trying to accept this role and then you miles are like disregarding me stop saying i'm a good villain at all which pisses me off even more and what's what's made me double down into the circumstances that i've chosen that have been chosen for me into being a super villain so so, like, he thinks that he's, yeah. like, he thinks he's doing a good job by making the only choice available to him. And then Miles is like, no, nah, you're so bad at that boy, buddy. And then that just makes him want to double down even more into it. Yeah, I think the answer to this villain was a hug. Like, yeah. Honestly. And, and an apology. Yeah. Because I, I think that that's all he wanted. He was to, to acknowledge 
hey, you made me this way. It's your fault. Yeah. And, and he was coming at it. I don't think he was coming at it very antagonistically. No. He just wanted Miles to take really, responsibility for his actions. Yeah. And Miles was not he, acknowledging him. Yeah, he was really friendly about it. In fact, like, when he's, like, stealing the the machine, he's like, hey, dude, like, he's trying to, t-, like, it's like, <coughs> it's like people are not listening to him. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I love that that aspect of it. Because sometimes in real life, people don't listen. They just look at the, like, they see a monster. Yep, yep. They see a monster. They see a person that they can't relate to. Uh, and, and that's where discrimination comes along, right? Yep. Like, they see a, a, a person they don't relate to, they don't understand, and they they go they go on with violence, mm-hmm. right? And, it, and then that makes that, that person react, being like, okay, fine, I guess I'll be the monster you think I am, and then maybe exactly. then you'll listen to me, finally. Exactly, because even he, when he's stealing the machine, or when he's trying to steal the machine, he, he's trying to explain to the person, to the, and I understand I understand wanting to defend your store, right? Right. Like, I, obviously, I understand that guy. Uh-huh. But he's trying to explain, hey, like, I, I had an accident. Uh, like, nobody wants to help me. My family, like, disowned me. Uh, like, no job wants to accept me because of how I look like. And, like, he's even and, like, I'm not even trying to hurt you. I'm not even robbing from you. I'm just robbing for this machine. That's not even yours. Exactly. It's a box the bank. Like, he's trying to be cordial. He's trying to be logical. And then yeah, things he, escalate when yeah. Miles shows up and disregards him. Yeah, because he's like, I'm not stealing from you. Like, I, he, didn't went, he didn't go to the register. And he didn't go to the man himself and be like, hey, I'm going to menace your life. I'm going uh, to threaten your life. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take your money, like or he didn't take the food from the from the uh, place. He was like, no, I'm gonna take this machine because this machine uh, it belongs to to the bank. So in his mind, he's like, this is the only way I can get money. This is the only way, like without hurting anyone. Yep. He's like, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I just need to live. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Uh, just like we were saying about Gwen and Miles, he was lonely too. Like, he was being disregarded yeah. and rejected by everyone. And so his last hope, his last hope of being acknowledged was by Miles. Like, he was trying to pull the whole yes. Joker or Batman thing. Like, you're my nemesis. We're connected to each other. I acknowledge you. You acknowledge me. We need each other. Blah, blah, blah. And then Miles is like, nah, fam. You're just a villain of a week. You mean nothing to me. Yeah. And that sent him off the deep end. Like, that, exactly. that he was, a, he tried to open up. For, with about his loneliness in a sense and he got rejected and so that made him double down to the supervillain role another thing about it he did steal the machine he was saying that like oh he's like oh spider-man yeah this is exactly what i wanted so he was kind of stealing as well the machine so that spider-man would notice him yep uh he could have started hurting people with his portals but he was like oh, i'm just gonna do a petty crime so yep. if i could get his attention like uh, like, all he cared which, about was getting Spider-Man's attention, and he got annoyed whenever yeah. Spider-Man got distracted. Like, when he's taking a phone call or texting, he's like, you're being very disrespectful in this fight right now. Like, the only reason yeah. like the only reason he put up a fight at all was just to get Spider-Man's attention. He didn't hurt anyone, he didn't care about anything else. It was just so he could finally be acknowledged by someone, and he was, Spider-Man was the only option he had left. Exactly, and it, it comes out of this awesome theme of Spider-Man always, not always, but Spider-Man sometimes causing a villain to be created mm-hmm. that doesn't happen all the time mm-hmm. uh, like uh, people like Norman Osborn are themselves just horrible people mm-hmm. and they become the villain 
when they like some accident happened. Uh, we got the Rhino. Rhino is also a choice. You got Craven. Craven is also a choice. <laughs> a choice, right? Uh, Scorpion a choice. But but then you have characters like Venom, who's kind of like Venom gets rejected by by Peter, like because Venom is is in, in, in on himself trying to be there for Peter. Mm-hmm. He's like we we are uh together right uh so but during that time he hurts eddie brock and when he takes venom off he also hurts venom's feelings Mm -hmm. so both of those people combine to create a villain yep so uh so it's this theme uh, is this thing of uh uh uh, i guess like a another canon event which (laughs) is spider-man creates a villain Mm -hmm. uh like and and I guess he created the villain. Like Miles has created now um, this villain for himself. Oh, because, because he, he threw a bagel at him. Oh, <laughs> because he threw a bagel at him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, yeah, that's very interesting as well. Because it's like he could have, he could have stopped all this from happening, and I think he's gonna realize that as well. I think he's yeah. gonna be like, hey. Maybe I do have some accountability to take here, uh, because I did cause this. I, yeah. I caused this from happening. Yeah, and he's basically do he did to the spot what Miguel goes on to do to him later on in the movie. Because yes. Miguel's like, "Oh, you shouldn't even be Spider-Man. You were a mistake. Like, you shouldn't be part of this at all. Like, you're nothing." And that's exactly what Miguel does to the spot, calling him a villain of a week. Exactly. Uh, Miles does to the spot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. Uh. But no, it happened to be too. Like <laughs> they're too, they're really similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I, I think I think there's a parallel par- par- parallel there. Yep. Like it's a it's a good parallel. Uh, I think that's such good. Every story, like everything's so well written and connected, to where you kind of see where the resolution is gonna go. Mm-hmm. Like I think I can see it. If the third movie comes out and he's just like everybody dunking on Miguel, I'm gonna be like, well, that was weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I feel like I feel like I completely misunderstood where this is gonna go. Yeah, I was like, uh, I think everybody needs to learn a lesson. I think yeah. I think the spot is gonna learn a lesson. I think uh, Miles is gonna learn this, and I think Miguel is gonna learn a lesson. Uh, and they're gonna come together, work together. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited for this uh, sequel coming out next year, hopefully. 100%. Um, Do they say next yeah. year? Do they give a time frame? I'm so excited. Uh, it, it is supposed to come out next year. Okay, but great. I am a little bit nervous because this movie did get a held back. Mm. It was supposed to come ne- last year, but it did get held back. Um, but, you know, I don't care it did. Cause yeah. it, so long it's as we get the quality. So long as it's worth the wait, we do not yeah. mind. Yeah, I do not mind. I... I was like, "Wow, this is so good! This is so good!" Uh, but yeah, uh, what, what 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 do you give it? What do you? Give? Oh yeah, is it? Um, I definitely agree with you. I'd say ten out of ten. Yeah, it's just a good movie, man. Mm-hmm. It's just a good good movie, and you can you can just keep talking. Like you watch it again, and you're just like, uh, "I want to watch it again because I know that I'm gonna see things that I haven't seen." Yes, and uh, hopefully I can actually hear what Spider Punk is saying because I could not hear anything he was saying yeah, yeah. in my theater. I don't know if you had audio issues like everybody's having them. 
Uh, I had issues with, like, with the beginning of the movie, like when Gwen was giving her mobbing monologue and like I couldn't quite hear her voice over all the drumming. I think part of it was just because my theater was talking a lot too. But yeah, I'm looking forward to rewatching a movie just to hear stuff I didn't yeah. hear and just to see stuff I didn't see. Like this movie definitely yeah. feels like it's a rewatchable movie. And I'm very excited about that. Because you know, yeah. some movies you see where it's like, oh yeah, that was good, but I feel like I got everything I wanted to see on the first watch. Like I don't feel like watching yes. it again. But this movie, no, I definitely feel like watching it again because I feel like there's a lot I missed. It's a sequel that trumps the first one, mm. I think. What, what do you think about that? Because I think this one is better than the first one. The first one is amazing. Uh-huh. But this one is, like, just topped it up. Like, it, it topped it all. Like, it went up in the tier. I think, I think it does a great job of building off everything that the first one does. Yeah. It does a great job of escalating. I will still forever love the first one because, A, it, like, sets everything up. And I feel like... On one hand, I love, like, everything this movie sets up and everything is going to be, because, like, you can tell they're building a franchise out of this, and I love, like, that they're setting everything up. But on the other hand, I do love how relatively straightforward and simple the first movie was. So, like, I love both yeah. for very different reasons. Like, I can never really... Yes. I'm not sure if I can pick one over the other, but I do love this does everything else. I love how this movie does everything a sequel should, of, like, building out everything that comes came before it. And I love how I guess... the first one does this good job of, like, breaking the ground and making it so a sequel can actually exist. Yeah. I guess I like the story of the first movie more mm-hmm. because, I, I like, that movie's self-contained, yes. so there's an uh, ending to the story. Yes. While in this one, we there's no ending. It's just yes. we're waiting for the next movie for the ending, right? right? As, a, as a story, as a self-contained story, I prefer the first one. Mm-hmm. As a visual form of art, yeah. I prefer this one. Yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, because that. that one that was was building 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 blocks. It's necessary. That yes. one's necessary, but this one this like the first one walks so this movie could run. Yes, and it runs. <laughs> it runs. Oh, one hundred percent. The 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 it's eye candy. Yep. Just eye candy. Like every frame, you could literally. Feel, filled your whole walls with posters of this movie. Like, it's just like every frame, take a frame, like this put mo- it on your wall. This movie is why I wish and hope that our culture will take animation more and more seriously. Because, like, this, like, this is yes. the beauty of animation, and this is the beauty of art, and, like, how much you can get, how much emotional emotion and pathos and all that stuff you can get out of just, like, making up, um, just doing some really good animation. And, like, I hope this yes. will, like, come make... I hope this movie and this whole franchise will help normalize animation as more of an appreciated form of art in the mainstream. This movie needs... Just like Spider-Verse won all those... Did it win an Oscar? Did it win an Oscar? Yeah, it won an, the first one definitely won an Oscar. Like, this one needs to win Oscars. Mm-hmm. Like, all of it. All categories. <laughs> yep, yes. All the categories needs it. Man. Like, yeah, no, I hope they begin to take like I, I i don't think animation is a category it's uh it shouldn't be a category i think it's more of a this is just a good film mm-hmm. i think it, like animation is a tool to deliver a story mm-hmm. uh and i don't think it should be a category viewed as something not just a genre it's not a genre it's a it's a tool mm-hmm. that can can have many genres in mm-hmm. it uh like i don't like I, yeah because because then we go like oh animation is a genre and then the sub genre is comedy or action or mm-hmm. drama like no it's like this is a drama 
this is a drama. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a, a epic, action-packed, mm -hmm. comedy, uh... Adventures yep. like this is incredible. But like it has so much as much emotional weight as Avengers Endgame, and should be taken just as seriously. Yes. Like it should be taken no less seriously because it's animated. Like it has the same impulse, it has the same movie magic as any other big time movie that has come out in the past few years. Yeah, because it even has the shots, the the camera angles, everything. Everything's so. Oh god! Beautiful. Oh god! Those like shots of like seeing Miguel and uh, not Miguel, Miles and Gwen like sitting upside down on the on, oh. the, on the gargoyle and looking at New York. That was gorgeous. And I wish mm -hmm. I wish four Spider-Man media did that. Like I can't think of any other Spider-Man yes. media that like just did that simple but like profound shot of just like looking at everything upside yes. down. That that's awesome. Uh, the only thing I can think of is comic books and uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, and the animated, some of the animated series kind of did that, that at, makes sense. at some point. Like, none of um, the, the major, like, you don't see that in the same Rainbow movies, I think. No, no, like, not, that shift of perspective is not very common, yeah. uh, commonly used. Yeah. I think the only thing we got was, like, like that Spider-Man, uh, like, kiss, mm -hmm. the Spider-Man kiss. Yep, 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 famous, famous. But, like, again, another reason uh, why animation, like, lends itself well to those kind of things so easily, as opposed to live action. Uh, wow, no, but it's incredible. I mean, how, how, ins again, how insane was that ending of showing us the feelings that Miles was giving us on all these flashbacks to the first movie, mm -hmm. <coughs> showing the world collapsing behind him mm -hmm. until we realized, oh my gosh, he's not in his world. This is mm. not his world. Like when he talks to his mom and you're like, He's not in the right world. I, I, I called it before they said it in the movie. I said, he's not in his world. And then Gwen was like, he's not in his world. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, I called it. Like, the moment his mom was like, wait, who's Spider-Man? He, like, you knew something was up. Like, that was, yeah, a, that was a funny was joke, like, but, like, also, what? Hold on, what? Like, because first I was like, would the mom know it? Like, this is a funny, like, Latino joke. Like, this is funny, like, but, like, also, wait a minute. That joke makes no sense. It's like, it's a funny mom joke because you're like, yeah. uh, you tell your mom something and they're like, well, I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, but it was so, it, I, I got confused because I was like, hold on. Like, his mom should know he, like, what Spider-Man is. Like, she even said it, like, in the, like, because I know that was like, kind of like, because I, I think it happened and then there was like an imagination of Miles then saying Hey, I'm Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. But I think that was actually happening where she was like, um, "Hey, I heard that. Uh, I heard that new Spider-Man is Puerto Rican." Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like that was actually happening. And then Miles stands up and he's like, "No, I think he's Dominican." And it's like, uh, and then the fantasy starts where he's like, "What if I tell them yeah. who I am?" In that moment, I think that's where the fantasy starts. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, but I think she, she would have known. Oh, yeah. She would have known. Uh, even if she didn't like, say that, just the fact that, like, her dad, like, has talked with Spider-Man, I'm sure, has surely brought him up yes. on multiple occasions. And, like, even, like, even if you're not even talking about Miles' Spider-Man, they knew about, like, Peter B. She uh, knew. They, they knew exactly. about OG Spider-Man at the very least. Yeah, like, Spider-Man was way too popular for nobody to know it. Like, yeah, everybody yeah. knows who Spider-Man was. So it's like, um... Yeah, it was kind of weird. So I was like, this is not his world's world. And then when you 
rewatch the scene, the colors are not the same. Mm. Like the our environment is not the same. But you think it's because because of that moment, they are kind of tricking you because they are like showing you like how Spider-Man's mood mood is yeah, yeah. affecting the world. Yeah. But they're kind of tricking your mind, and they're kind of also betting that you forgot the number of Spider-Man's dimension, mm-hmm. uh, of Miles' dimension, because it's like they show you the forty-two, two times before, and they're like you think about, but when you see the forty-two, you think about the spider that beat Spider-Man, so you're like, well, that's this universe because it says forty-two, but then you're like, hold on, mm. the spider. Is from that other universe. 42. 42. He's not in his universe. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's very good. Such a good swerve. Yes. Uh, I loved it so much. It was so good. Uh, that is such a good reveal. And then Miles Prowler. Yes. Ooh, he was so cool. Oh, man. I'm so excited to see them interact. It's like, I'm always a sucker for the trope of a hero meeting an alternate evil version of themselves. Like, I'm always yes. a sucker for that. I eat that up all the time. So I really want to see more of that in this movie, the next one. Me too. I really love that trope. So good. I, I'm i excited. I'm really excited for this next movie. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you for listening to our conversation about this movie. Uh, and, uh, you know, like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Let us know what you thought about the movie. Uh, goodbye. Flip, flip.